This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, the business station? 9.37 a.m. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. and Anwar Mahbob. This is WTF, or What's the Focus, our weekly roundup show of the top stories this week and other news tidbits you may have missed. As always, our duty is to ensure that you head off into the weekend full of interesting facts and figures and conversation starters uh, to make conversation with whoever you meet on the street this weekend. Oh, it for yourself and think about it overnight as you sleeplessly think through your day and reflect. <laughs> that too. You have the freedom to use this information as you wish. Uh, but we do have uh, quite a number of stories to cover this week, starting off with, I guess, a look at U.S. politics. Because like it or not, the fortunes of what happens in the U.S. political space will impact the rest of the world, which is why we spend so much time looking at what happens there. And really, the big question is, who is going to be the next president of the world's largest economy. That's going to be dominating discussions from now until November 2024 when the elections take place. So we're taking a look at some of the stories that have come out this week on that front, beginning with the Democratic side, which of course U.S. President Joe Biden is running for re-election. But he actually made comments that uh, he may not have decided to run if uh, Donald Trump wasn't in also in the running. Well, apparently he has very low approval ratings and is concerned by his age and his ability to win another, win another four years in the Oval Office. He is 81 and his cognitive functions have been very suspect. Kids, distress, kids did dress up like him over Halloween. <laughs> uh, well, I think the interesting here is the logic to why he's running. And for me, I, I don't buy this whole intent of I only will run to stop someone from gaining power, which is the problem with the Republican ticket, right? Which is that the polls are showing that Trump has an unassailable lead on the Republican ticket. So for me, you can't run for office on the basis to stop someone else from taking the lead. You it know? doesn't really show a clear vision it doesn't or show leadership, vision. Right? leadership, it right? It seems more reactive to, yeah. than proactive. You just want to stop someone. And I think that doesn't really sell as a long-term message, you know, for voters. I mean, maybe they don't like Trump. Maybe there's a strong anti-populist stance there. But how do you energize your base to come for a positive vision, right? If you take that approach, it's very negative in its tone and stance, in my view. I think we can take a look at some of uh, some recent polls. I think a survey by CNN in August found that 67% of Democrats and independents who lean Democratic actually wanted another nominee. And yeah. another 70% listed uh, Mr. Biden's age, health, mental competence, or ability to handle their job as their main concern about him. I would argue that those concerns also apply to Donald Trump, to be honest, who's yes. 77. Yes. And the fact that we have two 70-plus uh, aged candidates, that doesn't really excite an electorate, you know? That's right. And that's why it was very interesting. I think last week, uh, Fox News actually hosted a debate between two governors. Governor, you know, at the time, former governor of Texas, Ron DeSantis, and Gavin Newsom of California. And I think both, you know, younger, fresh-faced. 40s. 40s, you know, showing a lot of energy. And it was really an energetic debate. And perhaps that's the kind of vision that I think these two governors want to kind of portray as an alternative 
to, you know, the current two leading candidates of the presidential election. But I guess this alternative is still some years away. Some years. Uh, looking at this race this uh, this coming year, I would want to turn our attention to what's happening on the Republican front because Democrat in the Democrat side, it's really Biden. Uh, Trump has that unassailable lead, but you do have a number of Republican potential candidates vying to be the runner-up uh, in hopes that uh, they may be able to surpass Trump at some point. Uh, and the Republican uh, side had their, what, was it their third? Third debate without uh, Donald Trump, of course, again. But this time what was very interesting is all guns were attacking Nikki Haley. That's right. So uh, the let's let's just talk about who, who was present during yeah. that debate. I think the candidates have been winnowed down to four. You had Nikki Haley, of course, the former uh, ambassador to the UN for the US and former South Carolina governor. You had... Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. Again, huge um, huge controversy. You saw Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey there as well. So And Ron DeSantis, of course. So it was, it was electrifying still, without any question. Yeah, Nikki Haley was under fire because apparently she received the endorsement of the Coach Network a deep-pocketed and influential right-wing group. Yeah, correct. I think that's that's the point you make about that support from the Coke uh, network. And they, of course, have huge uh, grassroots, they have huge funding to mobilise across the board, right, Anwar? Yeah, she's also known as a... Apparently, Vivian Ramaswamy said he was a corrupt neoconservative who is beholden to wealthy donors. <laughs> so, you know, lobbyists, etc., well, I think it's very interesting, right? For someone like Vivek Ramaswamy, he's a bit of the upstart, I think. And you saw in the debate so many, uh, you know, incursions he had with even Chris Christie, right? The name calling was pretty intense there. So I think he thrives on being the alternative candidate that's radical in nature. That's something you rarely see on the Republican side, but more on the Democratic side. But on commonality, there was a lot of Trump bashing during the whole period because they were criticizing his government spending while during his Trump administration, which approved a massive COVID-19 mm. economic relief package in 2020. And Haley especially said that Trump is an agent of chaos. Well, they can say what they can say. Well, what, what the voters will decide soon as the primaries heat up in the coming quarters ahead. All eyes are going to be on Iowa in January. That's really the first indicator of who is going to be in the lead, I suppose. So we'll keep an eye on that. But meanwhile, uh, let's turn our attention over to what's happening in the Middle East. Yes. And I think you just came back from the Middle East uh, <laughs> at COP28, right? I can, did. Give I us did. a blow by blow account. What were the highlights and lowlights? I don't know about a blow by blow, but let's. <laughs> Let's just say that it was definitely a microcosm of hyperactivity mm. with so many countries in attendance, right? I think one of the key things that stood out really was just how conflicted I, I think people viewed yeah. the presidency of COP28 this year, given that uh, the president, Dr. Sultan Al-Jaber, is a the head of a state oil company That's for right. uh, for UAE. So that really caused a lot of controversy that's uh, really continuing even as the COP goes on. And I wonder if it's become very distracting because there was a point in time where, you know, people were campaigning that he actually didn't believe in the science of, you know, uh, oil oil and all that. So of decarbonizing, of getting there. So I think that's also been an unnecessary distraction in the whole COP summit. Yeah, I don't know if it's unnecessary. I guess... Whether unnecessary or not, it's happening, right? Mm. The fact that, uh, and you can't really run away from it because we're calling for uh, a phase down or phase out of fossil fuels. You are going to have people from the industry come in and, and I suppose, try to mitigate what happens. I mean, I think 
for Dr. Sultan Al-Jaber, he will be pushing the fact that um, he has managed to make some progress with the industry. You had the announcement uh, from countries to triple renewable energy, for example. Yeah. You've had the announcement from 50 uh, companies, oil and gas companies, to also uh, reduce uh, emissions. Uh, there's been progress on methane emissions, something that maybe wasn't given as much attention prior to this. Mm. Uh, but then again, uh, is it all... Words on paper are one thing, but uh, what kind of action is going to come out of it in the months ahead is another thing. That's right. I think they were also very smart in getting that loss and damage fund agreement secured in the first place, right? And, I mean, it's still ongoing. Uh, I think it's going to conclude, correct me if I'm wrong, 12th of December. So let's see whether we have very clear uh, lines and commitments there. Indeed. I think that is something that uh, is going to be given a greater attention moving forward. Um, it is 9.45 a.m., Let's take a quick break. We are going to come back after this to maybe talk about the word and person of the year. So stay tuned to WTF BFM 89.9. You're listening to WTF or What's the Focus on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. and Anwar Mahbob. We are recapping some of the stories that we've been following this week as well as news tidbits that you may have missed. And I don't think this next story is as much a tidbit is it a tidbit as, it as is a, really a, tidbit. a talking point? But, it's uh, the Morocco of the day. <laughs> Morocco of the week, perhaps. But yeah. we are turning our attention to what Oxford Dictionary uh, has termed as the word of Oxford, yeah, Oxford Dictionary, Oxford University, what their word of the year is. Anybody want to? And that word is, drum roll, Riz. How do you spell that? R I Z Z. Okay. It's short for charisma which actually means an ability to attract another person through style, charm or attractiveness. Anyone comes to mind? You're looking at me. <laughs> I was thinking that it's just so obvious uh, where I've been hanging out. The fact that I haven't actually heard this word Riz being used in my daily conversations yes, until this yes. December, you know. So that just shows how out of touch I am, I suppose, in terms of the uh, lexicon or, or current lexicon of the moment. Well, perhaps that's why you do have Riz, because someone who claims they have Riz doesn't have Riz. Get it? No. <laughs> This is all just going around in circles with me. But what do you think? What, what does it say that Riz is the word of the year? Well, I think, but my point, my wonder is like, this has become, is the internet language has be, uh, gone into mainstream. And mm. I worry about the future of kids spelling. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, of course, Riz is the short form for charisma. charisma so people just cannot use three syllables now. Yeah. So let's just sim summarize everything to just one, right? I, I, I wonder whether this is a counter reaction to post pandemic, where we've not seen people for a very long time. And so now when you see people in person, you are just so enamored by their physicality and their presence or whatever, right? And that, that emanates through its charisma. <laughs> I love how I'm you're just making yeah, things up rationalizing the things up along the way. But, you know, if you're interested in a more extensive discussion on Riz and other slang terms, the Evening Edition discussed this on Inside Story this week. You know, you can look up the podcast, Do You Have Riz or Are You Boyo on the BFM app. They spoke to Associate Professor Dr. Adlina Asmawi of University Malaya. And I think it's so fascinating yes. the way we adopt different terms um, throughout the different generations. And... I, I, I think I would uh, I, I, I take a different stance from you, Anwar, and says I'm not really worried about this uh, being, uh, I, I think, detrimental to, to people's 
language skills. I think it's just part of our uh, daily communication. You know, in, in that sense, it's just really a part of the times. I think it's a very interesting point that we actually expect language, culture, all to evolve over a period yes. of time. And the biggest concern that sometimes we have is that we expect a certain culture and language to remain static or the good old days when we used to do it this way, uh, you know, a decade or two decades ago. And that's why I think we always have this tension when these different generations clash, right, over the expectations about what is great language or great culture per se. I think that's one of the biggest frustrations and tensions we have. Like what we think is cool, perhaps the other generation thinks you're really outdated. Another dimension to it, I think, is maybe the, this whole East-West dimension as well. Because Riz, it could be more of a term that's used abroad or, or in the West, uh, essentially. Yes. But does that really have the same traction as what's being used or discussed um, in our part of the world? You mm -hmm. know, So I think that these looks at who what the word of the year is, it does tend to have a, a certain Western slant that may or may not translate to how we're seeking here. So yep. I think we can keep that in mind as we think about uh, what what we want to determine as the what of, of what year. And that's why I have a big problem actually with the next part, which is person of the year. Although, of course, our producer Wylan would probably be very unhappy <laughs> that I don't agree <laughs> that Taylor Swift should be person of the year. So let's just put this into context. It is she is the person of the year according to Time magazine. So Time magazine has made her the person of the year. I think we'll see different media outlets uh, tout different people as the person of the year. So let's stay tuned. We'll definitely discuss this further. But in terms of Taylor Swift being the person of the year, what do you have? Um, why do you disagree, Phil? Well, I mean, I think like, look, look I, I mean, I follow social media avidly. I do think that she's transformed the recording industry. I think her concerts really are groundbreaking the way she's actually monetized and drive that. So I see the economic innovation that comes through. But I think there are other bigger names out there, I think, who are more consequential. And we should really use the opportunity to highlight bigger things that have taken place, I don't oh, know, for me personally. Okay. So you yeah. think that there are other more I mean, someone who ran who ran record-breaking concerts shouldn't be classified as person of the year. All right. My honest view. What about you, Anwar? What do you think? Well, I think she did generate a lot of income for a neighboring country to have so many concerts in in one week. That's pretty impressive. Unfortunately, I didn't get any other tickets. Neither did I. So don't worry about that. I guess it's the fact that she has become such a mega star and her business savvy as well. I yeah. think it's un unparalleled at least in terms of what we're seeing at the moment um the magazine called her music's reigning deity a rare person who is both the writer and hero of her own story and in that sense taylor swift has been able to really craft her own narrative mm. rather mm. than the be beholden by how others um describe her i think she's in a way she's charted an un a really different path, I think, from uh, other peers in the music scene. Well, okay, I think that's a fair point that she is truly a trailblazer. I mean, I reflect on her relationship with Spotify, how she really used her her ability to, I think, rework uh, the streaming industry. I also appreciated her thought about re-recording some of her songs in retaliation to Scooter Brown. I think she has actually, at a very young age, been very, very consequential to her industry. That, I think, goes without saying, right? I mean, and also with her incredible talent to create her own songs and lyrics. I mean, the creativity and her imagination really is... 
in it's I think quite unparalleled. Of course, we cannot compare her with Bob Dylan. Although, of course, we will get a lot of hate mail now. I guess one of the things that I found interesting is how she has managed to stay out of politics. Whereas, especially in these troubled times yes. where there's so much going on, and you see how the public is pressing other figures, both of consequence and less consequence, like say in the social media sphere, everyone's mm. asking, "What's your stand? What's your stand?" But for her, she has somewhat stayed out of that fray. Recently, though, but in the past, she did side with the Democrats a bit. She was she's from Tennessee, right? So she had a bit of a tiff with one of the senators there, Marsha Blackburn, right, about her certain uh, progressive views. And actually, she can take a political stand. But you're right, in the recent uh, few years ahead, she's been pretty neutral. Well, I think uh, we'll have more conversations probably on a person of the year moving forward. I think and the I year think is I'm not done yet. Correct. And you're I, in, you want I'm to be in the, the running. running. I think. I'm in the running. <laughs> All right. If anybody would want to nominate Phil for person of the year, uh, please do write in to us. Uh, you can WhatsApp us too at 018798899. Sorry, not Swifty. I'm Britney fan bigger. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. We have a Britney Brief fan friend. in the room okay. here. Let's move swiftly forward, I think. Let's change topic incredibly fast. I think one of the other big issues is the discussion around language in, yes. the, in the country, right? We spoke about it a little bit with regard to Word of the Year, but I think there has been a lot of uproar with the focus on Bahasa Malaysia and whether that's needed of, to get a passport. I think this is a tiff that took place in the government office where I think the official was really putting pressure on, I think, the applicant to speak and converse in Bahasa, right? I have to say I do empathize with the applicant because for someone like me, actually, who's actually, you know, did study Bahasa, you know, throughout my primary and secondary. And then, of course, when I moved to university, I, I lost touch. Right. I think it is very discomforting to go. But of course, you do want to encourage the use of the national language. But is there a better way to encourage the use? It's a question. Right. Um, it is. Uh, I Just to recap, I think this uh, discussion came about uh, when a mother and a daughter uh, recently faced an incident in Johor. Uh, they were wanting to renew their passports, but were then um, berated, I think, by an immigration official for not being able to speak Bahasa Malaysia. And that's really what sparked the conversation. The Minister of Home Affairs, uh, Datuk Sri Saifuddin Asutuan, then weighed in um, saying that uh, knowing Bahasa Malaysia is a requirement for a passport. Uh, which I think has garnered a lot of different responses. Yes. I mean, this is a tension, right? And Anwar? Well, on a side, I mean, I, I do agree. Okay, the government servant should actually have communicated the message better. But being Malaysian, we also still need to learn the national language. I think it binds us all together, like how mm. the Thai language does in Thailand, in Bahasa Indonesia. Which is really an interesting point about how important language is in framing your national identity, right? True. I think that's always been the big debate. And it really comes to the fore especially in our country where we are diverse and multicultural, right? How, what are the things that really bind us and how important is language to the Food. Nasi lemak. <laughs> well, the Evening Edition covered this story on Inside Story. You can look up the podcast, Do You Need to Master BM to Be a Malaysian? They spoke to Associate Professor Dr. Helen Ting of UKM. So do look up that discussion. I think this is definitely one that we can explore further moving forward. But that is all the time we have on WTF for this week. It's 9.57 a.m. We're heading into the 10 a.m. News Bulletin and then it's over to Enterprise BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.